And I read just this last week where Greg Laurie said uh, he's praying for a new Jesus movement among the millennials. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to see God move again as he did in the late 60s and 70s? And I remember uh, Explo 72, wasn't it? 73, Explo 73 here in Dallas. Thousands and thousands of people gathered, those uh, Jesus people, and that's, we, we love the Jesus people. We are the Jesus people. Uh, a little uh, different message this morning. I want us to <clears throat> think about why people really need the gospel who are not here today, and uh I know I'm not preaching to them because they're not here. But I'm saying to us why we need so desperately to tell the good news that there is a Savior and that there is salvation. Because people out in the world are really under a curse. They're under the curse of sin. They're under the condemnation of of the offended law of God. God is a holy God. He is a perfectly holy being. And today, one of the things that troubles me so much is just how how flippant people are about God and uh, how uh, flippant they are about sin. And it's almost like the worst thing you can do today is just tell somebody that they're sinning. It's like, well, who are you to tell me that I'm sinning? Well, I'm not really anybody, but God is somebody. And God has declared that those things that break his law break his heart, but they also bring upon people a curse. And I know we just talk so much about the loving Jesus, and he is so loving. That's wonderful. We talk about God is love, and and God is loving. And just the passage there in Psalm 103, he is gracious, and and he will pardon our sins. And how wonderful to be able to say to people, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God loves you And God will forgive you by grace through faith in what his son did for you on the cross. But I want to tell you something. Those who do not repent, those who persist in their sin are under a curse. And it is a terrible thing to be under the curse of God. Now, it's one thing for people to curse other people, but I tell you, when God pronounces a curse on people, that is absolutely uh, serious beyond description. And when Adam and Eve first sinned, the very first thing that God said is they were under a curse, that even the ground was cursed. And the serpent was cursed, but Adam and Eve were cursed, and their descendants 
were under a curse. And then God gave the law through Moses. And he said to the people, if you will obey this law, you'll be blessed. But he said, if you do not obey this law, you will be cursed. In fact, over in Deuteronomy chapters 27 and 28, my goodness, we just have one curse after another, especially in chapter 28. God says, you know, you're blessed if you keep the law, but if you don't keep it, you will be cursed. And did they keep it? No, they didn't keep it. As a matter of fact, they broke it in every possible way. I mean, when God, when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the very first commandment and the first two commandments, thou shalt have no other God before me, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. And when Moses came down from the mountain, what were the people doing? After they had said, whatever God says, we'll do. And here they do just the opposite of what God said. They have made a molten image, a calf, a golden calf, and they are worshiping that calf and dancing and behaving in a raucous and immoral way. But I want to tell you, God is a loving, gracious God. But God is also a God of wrath and justice and anger. We don't think sometimes of God being angry, but the Bible says there are some things that God hates, and there are some things that make God extremely angry. And the, the day is coming when the wrath of God will be poured out on an unbelieving, Christ-rejecting, God-defying world of people. We read the book of Revelation. We read all about the, the opening of the seals and the blowing of the trumpets. But then we come to where the bowls of wrath are poured out on this world. It is terrifying to read. And I just want to tell you that God is angry with the wicked all day long. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 7, verse 11, that God is angry. His righteous anger is against those who break his law, those who sin against him. And so uh, in Galatians, the third chapter, Paul is dealing with some people who had made a profession of faith in the grace of God and in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they were turning away from that to go back into the law. Somehow or another thinking that, that if they can get back under the law, <clears throat> they will have some security. But he says to them, and I'm going to read several passages here in Galatians chapter 3, and then I'm going to read some passages in other places. Galatians chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has put a spell of some kind on you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He said, when I preached to you, it was like I held up a sign, put up a flannel graph, put up some kind of a PowerPoint and said, look, Jesus died for your 
sin, and that's what you trusted in. So let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Well, obviously, if they were to answer that correctly, they'd say, well, it wasn't by the law. The law actually condemned us. It was by hearing about Jesus and trusting in him. So having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So if you started out, if you received Jesus by faith, do you think now that you're going to continue with Christ by your own works? Are you going to live by faith as well? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it is in vain. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now this is the gospel message that he has preached to these people. That we are saved by faith and we must live by faith. And we walk by faith and not by sight. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel before to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. By the way, how was Abraham made right with God? Well, it wasn't through the law because the law hadn't even been given. It was 400 years before the law would be given. So how was Abraham made right with God? He believed God. He, by faith, believed what God had said and God counted it to him for righteousness. But then God said, through you, all the nations, all the Gentiles, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And so he says, that's why we as Gentiles can receive the same blessing of being made right with God by having the kind of faith that Abraham had without having to go through all the Jewish ceremonies and rites and rituals and so forth, it is the same way Abraham was justified that we're justified. And that's good news for us, isn't it? That is great news. And that's why we can say, let the nations be glad because the gospel goes to them and they can have indigenous churches in all the different cultures And they can keep a lot of their own cultural identity and ethnic identity. But the thing that makes us one, whether it's in Nigeria or whether it's in Botswana or whether it's in Argentina or wherever it is, what makes us one is that we share the same faith in the same Jesus who died and rose again. And that's why we can be one with people in Bulgaria 
who trust in Jesus and one with people in Liberia who trust in Jesus and in Uganda who trust in Jesus. And even though we may worship differently, even though we may even dress differently in a lot of ways, we certainly may eat differently. But the one thing that combines us is that we're all children of Abraham because we have Abraham's kind of faith. We believe and God counts it to us for righteousness. So, well, my screen locked up on me. But for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? Cursed be everyone who does not abide, that's consistently, by all the things written in the book of the law to do them. Well, that just kind of gets everybody, doesn't it? And that's what the Bible means when it says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. And so that means everybody is under this curse. That's just serious, serious business. Did you know it? At all, and before, before I was saved, I was under the wrath of God. I was actually a child of wrath, not a child of God. I was dead in my sin, and I was cut off from the life of God. That's serious business. So how in the world could I, could I ever get out of that? You say, well, well, well maybe if, if you just started trying harder. And now all kinds of people everywhere all around the world think that somehow or another, if they can get involved in some kind of religion, even if it's, quote, the Christian religion, if they can just get into a church and start doing better and stop doing some bad things, that maybe they'll be right with God. But the Bible says, no, we have to abide by every law that God has given. And so if I'm going to be right with God by my goodness, by my effort, how good do I have to be? I have to just be perfect, that's all. I have to never, ever sin. And by the way, anybody who never sins will go right straight to heaven when they die. Hmm. Isn't that good news? The only problem is that just leaves all of us out. We've already passed that. Uh, and you say, well, but so, maybe if I just stop sinning now and don't ever sin anymore. Okay, good luck with that. And I've stopped sinning lots of times and said, I'm not going to do that anymore. 
and then I find that I just cannot live by the works of the law. I just cannot seem to to not ever have a wrong attitude, not ever say a wrong word, not ever do a wrong thing, not ever have a wrong motive. And so if I'm trusting in me, I'm in bad shape because I would have to abide by everything that was written in the works of the law and do them if I was going to be right with God through the law. And then he says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. How many? No one. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not faith. Rather, the one who does them will live by them. That's what the law says, do everything I say and you'll live. But we haven't done everything that we should do. And then look at the next verse. Christ redeemed us, bought us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. That's in uh, Deuteronomy 21, 23, just a, a little phrase there. It says, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. In Jewish life, whenever a person was, and by the way, to be cursed, the word, the Hebrew word for cursed is the word that means to be devoted to destruction for the glory of God. I mean that God would be glorified by these people forever being abandoned and cut off. And uh, that's just such a serious thing. But to be to be under a curse is to be outside the privileges, the blessing, the grace, and the goodness of God. And whenever somebody would behave like that in biblical times, they would be put to death. And then their bodies would be hung up on a tree. And it didn't mean that being hung on the tree is what made them cursed, but because they were cursed, they would be placed upon a post or a pole or a tree, and their body would be there as a way of saying, this is God's judgment on those who despise his law and reject his love. And then Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, God is saying here, Paul is saying here, he was nailed to a tree 
as God's way of saying, I have made him the curse that you deserved. He has taken your curse so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And I just have been, in fact, my sermon this morning is about seven hours long. (laughs) So I'm going to condense it down to four (laughs) or less. No, I'm just joking. But I, I, I ran a concordant study this week on the word accursed, curse, cursed. And I was just overwhelmed at, at how much, how significant it is that God has pronounced a curse on those who do not obey his law. In fact, if you were to look at Deuteronomy chapter, well, 20, look at Deuteronomy 28. 27 has a lot in it too, but let's look at Deuteronomy 28. And the first part of it, he talks about the blessings for obedience. The only problem is the people didn't obey. But then beginning in verse 16, 15, it says, If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. And then he just gives the most depressing (laughs) rest of the chapter. He said, Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. And the Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration, in all that you undertake to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. And then the rest of the chapter, it's just, it's just depressing to read it. And toward the end of the chapter, he actually talks about how that as a nation, the curse would come upon them and they would be scattered. And we see actually a prehistory described for the Jewish people. But what I want us to know today is that the people who are outside of Christ are under a curse. And we have a message for them that Christ has taken your curse. And he can give you forgiveness and he can give you life. But there is something that's necessary. And that is repentance, turning from 
the cursed life they're living and faith receiving the gift that God offers. And I'm telling you, Jesus said, I think it's in Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 13. See if I've got the right verse here. Luke 10, 13. I don't have it written down, so... uh, Yeah, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Jesus said to the the cities that he ministered in, and I think he would say to America today, America. Glen Heights, Texas. If the people in other lands, if the people in Sodom and Gomorrah had had the light that we have and had had the blessings that we have had and had the Bibles that we have had and the gospel preaching that we have had, if they had had what we have, They would have believed it, received it, welcomed it, and turned from their sin. But he said it would be better for them on the day of judgment than for you. And I'm telling you, America today has been the most blessed land on the whole planet. And I know we certainly have not been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But America as a whole historically has done more and has, has received more, has been given more than any other nation on the planet. Have been blessed with protection, have been blessed with spiritual uh, uh, blessings, have had at least three great national revivals in the 1700s, the 1800s, and and, uh, uh, again later in the 1800s. But it's been well over 150 years since nationally we have seen any kind of repentance as a nation. And I'm like Greg Lowry. We need today a new movement of Jesus people among the millennials of our day, but also among all of us. I'll tell you, Christians today mock at sin and practice sins and laugh at filth and sins that even 50 years ago would have been absolutely appalling, even to unbelievers, even to unbelievers. And just just this last week, in our Congress, the United States Congress, a Christian woman prayed a prayer asking God to forgive us through Jesus 
and prayed in Jesus' name, and she was booed, and people got up and walked out of the Congress because they were offended that she would pray such a powerful, strong prayer in Jesus' name. The next day, they had a prayer and a reading from the Quran. And the same congressman applauded and were not offended by that. And you can just check that out. You can get on the internet and check it out. Some of you nodding your head. You've seen that. Did, did all, any of you see that this week? Yeah. And right now in America, the most despised group as a whole in America are conservative, fundamental Christian people, no matter how loving and how kind the fact that we believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And the fact that we believe that God has established some laws about marriage and about gender and things like that cause us to be looked at with despisement and rejection. And we are considered haters when the truth is we are the only ones who genuinely love our culture today. And so people outside of Christ are under a curse. And it's such a serious thing. Look, look in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 5 and following. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also are suffering. He's talking to believers who are suffering the same kind of rejection that I'm just talking about. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And folks, I want you to know that day is coming and it may be a lot sooner than we think. In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance, on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They, listen, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. 
Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. Now, he came the first time in humility. He came in patience. He came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey that we'll celebrate just in a couple of weeks. He came as a prince of peace. He came as a suffering servant. But he did what needed to be done with his first coming. And when he comes back, he's not coming as a, patient, suffering servant. He's coming as a ruling, reigning, vengeance, sword-wielding judge. And it is such a serious thing. And those who do not know Christ will suffer the wrath of God. And today, just like when, uh, when Moses, when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, God said to, to Joshua, I want you to put six of the tribes up on Mount Gerizim, six of them on Mount Ebal, and I want you to read the, the, the law. And I want you to say to them, Everyone over on this side, on uh, on or this side, Ebal, they pronounce the curses on those who do not obey. The ones on Gerizim, they pronounce the blessings on those who obey. And then he says to the people in the 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 middle, he says, "Which, which do you choose? Which do you choose?" And in a sense, Jesus is saying to us today. There's just two choices. There's either grace or there's wrath. There's the cross where the wrath of God was poured out for all those who will believe in him. But for those who will not receive the grace of God at the cross, they will receive the judgment and the wrath of God when he comes. So I would say to all of us, to me, to you, to all of us, that we must put our confident trust in Jesus, but also as a Christian, we must share the gospel of grace with those who are under the wrath of God. And God can. And God will, and God does save all who will come to him in repentance and faith. And those who do not, those who will not, those who scoff at the very name of Jesus and the grace of God will suffer the fiery indignation and wrath of a God who has graciously called all people to repentance and to faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that in my own heart, I'm asking as I've asked you this week to give to me a clearer picture 
of the condition of those who are outside of Christ. And I pray that my heart can be touched and broken for those who are in the condition that I once was in. And that I can go to them in love and with authority of your word to tell them that atonement has been made for all who will trust, for all who will come, that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then I pray for our congregation. Father, I, I, I certainly believe that... Uh, so many of those who are members at Bear Creek have put their trust in you. I pray that everyone has. But if there's anybody who is trusting in their own goodness, their own works, their, or even in this church or in their baptism or anything else other than the shed blood and the risen life of Jesus Christ, that they would call upon you while it is today and that they would come to Christ, be saved, and escape the wrath that is to come. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.